This week on the Sport Blokes. This week it's Christmas in July, in December. More Ashes pain for England as the Aussies run rampant. A header and a dive in the NBL. And when is a follow-on a bad thing? Oh, another big one this week, Shui. Let's go. Happy Rush Day, everyone. 21-12. It is 9.05. And as we do at the top every week, we'll call your attention and what you miss. What caught my attention is, what the fuck is Rush Day? Rush, are you not aware of that album, 2112? I'm not. Today's no. the 21st of December. Oh, right, okay. Me and my brother, we always say happy Rush Day on, yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> For the go. prog rock fans out there. Oh, uh, dear. <laughs> Sorry to throw you off. Good, no, it's a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> um, look, I hate to do this again. We've got another Peng Shui update. Well, it's, it's big news and it's important news, isn't it? So... We can't all be uh, shits and giggles. It might be worse than we thought. Yeah, right, yeah. So all of a sudden, she's denying ever making allegations of sexual assault against this Zhang Jolie guy. Mm. The proof's already out there, though. She made a post on Weibo, this social media site in China, in November. Basically China's Twitter. Yeah, stating that he forced her into sex. Yeah. That was the exact words that she used. Yeah. It's, It's just far too convenient that she goes missing for two weeks after posting that. Then all of a sudden reappears saying that she never made the allegation. It was, oh, it never happened. It never happened, even though she clearly did. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, unfortunately, in a country like China, that top-ranked officials would put the fear of God in her, then kind of force her to say nothing. Oh, happened. of course, yes. No, the whole thing is very fishy. It is. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's caught my attention this week. How about mm. yourself? Well, it was some baubles, uh, some Christmas baubles. Some artisanal baubles down at uh, the Galleria. <laughs> How many times can you say baubles? Artisanal baubles. Yeah, so... <laughs> oh, God. I, we spent more money on them than we should have. But we like the old uh, weird and wacky Christmas baubles. So there was a cricket bauble, a basket bauble, and a foot bauble. And, uh, yeah, so they'll be going on the tree. Any kabaddi baubles? <laughs> I didn't know there was a ball in kabaddi. There's you? not. Well, I mean, there's a few. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want any of them hanging on the tree. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you miss, mate? Do you know, I didn't catch a single second of NBA this week. And I don't think I cared. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, pre, pre-Christmas, I don't watch a hell of a lot, to be honest. It's like but... watching G League at the moment. Yeah, because there's so some many weird guys shit out. going on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, with all this COVID protocol stuff, and there was... I mean, I'll get to it later. But yes, we'll get to that 70 too. players out at one stage. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. So, yeah. Yeah. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, well, that uh, I've, I mean, I've seen little bits and pieces, but I certainly haven't seen a full game. Uh, and I didn't see as much NBL this weekend as I would have liked, but I saw more NFL now. Of course, we're not even going to talk about NFL this week because yeah. we won't have time. But uh, yeah, so I didn't see every NBL game, but I still saw a fair bit. Yeah. Nice. It's Christmas. Who's been naughty and who has been nice? We want presents. So, our Christmas episode, Stewie, and this will be released not long. Will this probably be released on Christmas Eve? So, as we do every July and Christmas. It's Christmas in July, in December. (laughs) Also known as Christmas. So, we've been doing this back since episode eight when we did Christmas in July, and then we did a real Christmas, and then we did Christmas in July again, and here we are in December, so it's that time again. We should do a Christmas in September next year. Oh, we should do one every month. Just mix it up. Every day. <laughs> every day. Christmas on the 13th oh. of May. And, uh, yeah, given given that, we probably should have put a little bit more time into it, but as always... <laughs> Work, life. Yes, yes. Actually watching games and, yes. and those sort of things. But 
Some of the presents we've given out in previous Christmas segments have come to fruition. Mm. So we gave LeBron a championship way back in our first one. Then we gave Cozzy Pickett a championship for the Melbourne Demons in Christmas in July this year. And sure enough, they collected. So yeah, that was a that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I think when we said it, we were kind of hoping that Melbourne would win it. Yeah, well, yes. But we weren't sure if it was. Well, that was certainly a bloody good chance all season long. But was it going to be one of these seasons where they showed promise and then just fizzed out, kind of like the 2018 season? Yes, true. But they absolutely came roaring home with a, a wet sail. Yes, here in our home city. No good rest. on them. Yeah, good on them indeed. So who's been naughty? Who's been nice? We've got a couple of naughty and nices, as we do every time. Now, we'll start with naughty, as we always do. First off, it's Hugh Greenwood. Yes, Hugh. Hugh Greenwood was, uh, well, what, how should we say, tactically delisted by the Gold Coast Suns. He then proceeded to tweet, don't worry, I'll be back. And then tactically moved to North Melbourne. Yes, that's right. Yes. So North Melbourne picked him up in the preseason, well, the rookie draft or something. Because, you know, yeah, another rookie. Yeah, of course. We won't go on to that. So what do we give him for being naughty? I mean, maybe playing for North Melbourne's bad enough. But But they're on the improve, I think. I mean, not that Gold Coast are world beaters by any stretch of imagination. I mean, we could give him, I don't know, a roadmap to where the Gold Coast is. Yes. So he knows where he should have gone. I guess technically he will be back for road games. True. Potentially. The fixture's out. I can't remember if. If Gold <laughs> Coast are uh, hosting the Kangaroos next season, well, who knows? That's if the AFL even starts. Yeah, we COVID, yeah. Oy. Yeah, yeah. Then in the F1, now, what a fast that was. We didn't talk about that last week. We purposely saved that one. Michael Massey, inconsistently applying safety car rules. Let's face it, he was trying to make the finish more exciting at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, but it basically changed the championship. It meant that Max Verstappen won instead of Lewis Hamilton. Well, he made it easy because there was a key pit in there, which meant he was flying around on brand new tyres. Exactly. Verstappen had the tyres and and Hamilton didn't. But it's like some cars could lapse, some cars couldn't. The whole thing was a bloody shambles. Many think that it ruined the championship. Hmm. What do we give him? I mean, we give him the world because he cost he cost Lewis Hamilton the, the <laughs> title. Not I'm not a fan of Lewis Hamilton. No, so. I don't know. I think it's pretty unfair. It's pretty poor. And Hamilton was pretty classy in response. It's got to be said. Well, you know what they say: even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> oh, unless it's digital. Yeah. True. Yeah. Not true. It would still be right. Well, no, because they normally like just blank. Yeah. If it's oh, broken. Oh, as in if it's not displaying anything. So, Stewie, I remember when I was a kid, I really wanted a racetrack set. But then I found that I used it maybe like four different occasions for half an hour at a time. Is that the old Skeletrics one? Yeah, Skeletrics like, yeah. so maybe maybe we give him one of those and maybe we make him watch on loop Ooh. while he races on his racetrack. Have to keep going and picking it up after it falls off the track. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Corner too fast. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> he's lost. He's coming stuck on that uh, corner. We'll cut that little, like that little metal bit that, that connects yeah. to, we'll make it really small so they continually fall off. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Next, who do we have, Shui? We've got Aaron Rodgers. Now, what? we've got a couple of American football ones here, don't we? We do, yeah. So Aaron Rodgers lied about getting his COVID jab. So seems pretty obvious what we'd get him. The same COVID jab that we gave to Novak's. Novak Djokovic in a previous Christmas. Get him the AstraZeneca one, just in case. Because he's under 50. Yes. Is he? Is he under 50? <laughs> he's not Tom <laughs> no, Brady. No, I know. He's not Tom Brady. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, the Packers, so that'd be a bloody good chance of winning the Super Bowl next year, I think. Hmm. But anyway. Now, next, we have Canada's answer to the best wide receiver. Maple Tron. <laughs> Chase Claypool who in a very close game against the Minnesota Vikings decided in his infinite wisdom to celebrate a first down when every second counted 
And of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers ended up losing. Yeah. He wasted 12 seconds yeah. piss farting around, celebrating what was not even that great a catch. It was a pretty regular. No, well, move. you you just you gotta move on. You yeah. gotta get yourself in, in scoring range. Yeah, absolutely. And in contrast, there was some great footage of Larry Fitzgerald back in the day when he made a catch. You've got to know the time and the strategy. Again, this is another one we haven't talked about with purposely safe. Maybe we give him a watch. Yes. <laughs> Because he needs to know, he needs to understand the importance of time. He does. So next we have the Urban Meyer wiener. <laughs> it's one of many indiscretions. I don't know. Is he naughty or is the Jacksonville Jaguars front office naughty for hiring him? Owner Shard Khan was very confident that he had the right man for the job, but he lasted not even a whole year and he was paid a shitload of money. So there that was wasn't... one game he did really well though. What's that? Oh, the, the uh, one game pickup they... game. Oh, oh, I thought oh, you meant down oh, the bar. His, his pickup game. Yes. So True. that infamous video was bad enough. He left the team to go back home to Ohio and was then seen with that girl grinding on him, which led to those wonderful Halloween costumes and all that great stuff. But that's not the only thing. His rap sheet is long. He hired Chris Doyle as his strength coach after he'd been sacked from the University of Iowa for mistreating black players. He hired Tim Tebow to play tight end, even though... Well, he didn't actually deserve it and was cut shortly thereafter. By the way, the amount of people that drafted him in their fantasy leagues still baffles me. Fucking idiots. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. He told his coaching staff that he was a winner and they were losers, even though he hired them. And he even reportedly kicked former kicker Josh Lambeau during practice, who, by the way, was their most accurate kicker in team history, but was released in October. And he said, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the fuck I want, according to Lambo. Wow. Yes. Holy shit. Yes. Yes. That's insane. This whole thing is insane. He, do you know, he's won more college national championships than he has won NFL games <laughs> at three. Coached nearly a whole season. Wow. He lost less games in seven seasons at Ohio State than he did in less than a whole season of NFL games with the Jags. The whole story <laughs> is just bizarre. But what do we give him? I mean, very obviously, it's got to be an autographed copy of Foster the People's Pumped Up Kicks. <laughs> yes. Because of how well pumped up he was <laughs> and how he likes to kick. I love it. I love it. Who we got next, Chewy? Well, we've got uh, old mate Stefanos Sitsipas. Ah, uh, yes. yes. For Crimes Against the Toilet. Yeah. <laughs> crimes Against His Opponent for Always Going to the Toilet. Well, all of the above. Yes. I what mean, do we get him? There's only one thing. There's only one thing. There's only one thing that can solve his problem. Laboratory strength sits a passing. <laughs> laboratory strength. Yeah. No, just any street grade. No, no, he needs the good stuff. He needs yeah. the real, yeah. the real sits a passing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's see if he can last a match without pissing off to the dunny. Kiss those medical timeouts goodbye. Stay regular and win with sits a passing. Oh, Stefanos, you Stephanos. naughty boy. Then next we have the BCCI. Now, this is an interesting one. Virat Kohli was stripped of his one-day international captaincy. He wanted to remain the captain, but they gave it to Rohit Sharma. He found out on social media, buried in the final sentence of a press release, apparently. Gee whiz. That's it's disgraceful, isn't it? It is. Now, as tempting as it is to give him where Harry met Sigel, we've given that out before. <laughs> Starring Brett Lee. Well, I actually I actually looked up today if there was a sequel, but I don't think there is. Otherwise, oh, we could have given him the sequel. Yeah, That's a shame. It is a shame. That is a shame. Oh, but no, we're not giving it to him. We're giving it to the BCC. Surav Ganguly is involved in this. There's a bit of, uh, oh. yeah, a bit of egos involved. The Prince. <gasps> we could give him a Prince album. We could. Oh, you have another idea. Well, instead of giving the BCCI a present, 
we just give Virat a good present. Oh, yeah. We make him captain of the English cricket team. <laughs> Is that good? He wants to be captain. <laughs> so there's a nation that will take him. I'm yeah, sure. well, they like international players. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other one I was thinking was a DVD of that CEO that fired 900 employees over Zoom. You can yeah. record Zoom nowadays. You oh, know, it's out there God. for the world to see. So, speaking of disgrace, well, that really oh, was yeah. just in time for Christmas. But that CEO has resigned. So, I, I well, guess. Well, so he should have. Yeah. Yeah. Probably got a golden parachute, though. Oh, absolutely. He did. Mm. Probably preferred money, though. Yes. Yeah. Well, what am I going to do with a golden parachute? Well, it's gold. You it's too melt, heavy. Melt it down. This is useless for skydiving. <laughs> It's thud. <laughs> it's like something out of those Warner Brothers, like a oh, like, yeah, like, 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 like a Looney Tunes, yeah, yeah. yeah, Acme Gold Parachute. <laughs> now we got a serious one to finish. This yeah. one's bizarre. Isn't I, should, it? I should stop laughing because this one is bad. Oh, and we've already had a Spygate issue with Basketball Australia, but we're sure enough we have another one. This one's a lot worse though. So we've got referee Simon Cozier and, and Canberra Capitals coach Paul Goris, who have both been suspended for, quote, engaging in prohibited conduct after a Basketball Australia investigation found that the pair misused inside information and engaged in conduct that would impair public confidence in the integrity of basketball. So what does that all mean? Well, apparently Simon was recording a practice by the Flames, coached by Shane Hill, for the purposes of instructing referees and for referee enhancement, but he gave it to their opposition coach. Now, the bizarre thing is Koshi was banned from all refereeing activities for the WNBL for the entire season for f- supplying the footage to Goris. And Goris is banned from coaching for all activities, including Opal's duties, until January 20th for using some of the clips for opposition scouting, by the way. That's one month. Yeah, I was about to say, that's four weeks, isn't it? But apparently, it didn't impact on the game, so the result will stand. The Capitals' win will stand. How the hell does that make sense? I did, did you do something wrong or didn't you do something well, wrong? Well, I saw Shane Hill. He's getting ready to unload. Well, so they should. They do have an appeal window, so. Yeah, yeah. but no, he's, he's already talking up on Twitter about how he's going to, in his next show, absolutely unload on this. Mm. He's got to be careful. Well, yes. He, he really probably, does. Yeah, he probably should. But probably uh, should. yeah, geez. So what do we get him, Nath? Well, Shui, I'm going mad with all the bloody ads for Man in the Arena, the 700-part series about Tom Brady. He hasn't even retired yet. So he knows a bit about Spygate. Maybe uh, maybe we could give him a copy of that. Yeah. Yeah. Or we could just look at it and go, well, they didn't really get a penalty anyway, so... Give him a penalty. That's good enough. <laughs> oh, God, honestly. Now, we have had some other naughty, interesting uh, stuff go on in the NBL, but we'll talk about that in the basketball section. Yeah. Uh, a bit to do with headbutting and flopping. Hmm. Yeah. So, naughty and nice. We've got uh, a section here where people have been both naughty and nice. And first off, we have Kenny Pickett. For the fake slide. That was a tremendous play. And that was the nice bit. It was nice to watch. It was a very impressive and clever in the heat of the moment thing to fake a slide and then keep running. But not really in the spirit of the game. But not in the spirit of the game. Which is why why it's a bit naughty. It's also created a rule change. Yes. So Yes. Well, yeah. understandably. So what do we get him? Oh, it's a good question. Do we just get him a kid's slide? Oh, super fun happy slide. Yes. Or slip and slide? No, it's, it's winter over there. Yeah. Slip and slide. We can't. <laughs> he really has been a bit naughty. Yeah. <laughs> now, we've got a naughty and nice that spans two people here. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. We're so very generous. The nice goes to one Sam Kerr and the naughty goes to whatever his name is, the referee. Yes. 
So Sam Kerr, for those who didn't see, managed to basically hip and shoulder the living daylights out of a pitch invader. Oh, it was magnificent. And then got yellow carded for doing it. For rough conduct. Yeah, against some... Did you know you could card someone for rough conduct for a non-player? I mean... Like a lines person or something, sure, but... Ah. It's, it's not really something that's come up in soccer. It's, it's sort of, bizarre. Yeah, but uh, it's it's not great. That ref should have been thanking her. Mm. No, he's been naughty. So He, he get, has been naughty. So he gets a red card, surely. He, he does. Yeah. He does. And a bonus nice, the parliamentarian's trying to change the law. So get this. The bloke got off scot-free due to a loophole in the Football Offences Act, which only prescribes offences in designated matches. This was not a designated match where a pitch invader would get in trouble. It is bizarre. So surely Sam Kerr's reaction should not have counted because that wasn't in a designated match. We might have to look into that. They might. Can they? They can rescind. They can rescind. Yeah, yeah. They, you'd hope that they would rescind that. Gee whiz. Yeah. A guy can just come on and stab someone. Oh, it's not a designated match. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Move oh, on. Oh, dear. What do we get, Sam? How about a nice spa weekend away with her American girlfriend? Okay. Because they wouldn't have seen each other very much. No, and they were opposition very recently. So, yeah, maybe a nice weekend. Maybe away. a nice weekend away for yeah. Christmas. She, yeah. she deserves it for all the great stuff she's done for Australian soccer, for world soccer, world soccer yes. for pushing the game further with, in, in the women's side as well. And pushing the pitch of that. Yes, mm. absolutely. Now, our nices. Of course, first of all, we've got to thank everyone who has been involved with our podcast. We are getting closer and closer to that milestone 100 episode. Still a while away, yeah, but we're getting there. Going to be hopping up and down when we get to 87. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's not too far away. But thank you very much to Alex Loughton and Cody Ellis, who have been with us on a number of interviews over the last couple of years. Thank you to Joseph and Andrew, of course, also from the NBL Pocket Podcast. That was possibly our greatest show, actually. That was really great, wasn't it? It was definitely great to just sit there and just talk shit with guys who are so like-minded. Yeah. And we're certainly looking forward to potentially talking to Woody from the Throwback Hoops Indeed, Podcast. Indeed, yes, which... yes. That's been earmarked. So I guess a preemptive thank you to him for mm-hmm. being nice. And then, of course, my girlfriend, Lindsay, who helps us with the voiceover, that female voice you hear, and my brother, Daniel, who also helps us with the artwork and the music. They've all been very nice. Special thank you also to Guy and Dan for the voiceover work they did on those fake ads we did those few weeks around the Olympics. What do we give them? Copies of the show. Okay. (laughs) I bet that's really what they want. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't really? (laughs) (laughs) So then we have some nices that bounce off our naughties. David Noble's wife, Sarah, who suggested that they poach Hugh Greenwood when she saw that the Suns had delisted him. What do we give her? Now, books are a popular present around Christmas time, Stewie. Yeah, look, for me, it's got to be a copy of Alice Dalgleish's The Courage of Sarah Noble. Ah, brilliant. She had the courage to speak up and she's made her husband's team that bit better. And there's a picture of a horse on the front of the cover. Who doesn't love a horse? Well, Horse Longmire used to play for North Melbourne. It's a long bow now that he's coached from Sydney. (laughs) There you go. Now, basketball nice, Stewie. Yeah. Very recent too. Very recent. So Matthew Delavadova. For getting posterized, for, sta- for having the guts to step in front of Creek to make that dunk even better than what it would have been, but also for defending him and saying that you know what, it's okay. Like getting dunked on is part of the game; it happens. Yep. And the YouTube video has over a million views already, all over ESPN. Great coverage for our league. What do we give him? I mean, a spot back on the Cleveland Cavaliers bench. Oh, yeah. That's. I was thinking we'll give him Chris Golding and and Jack White back, and they've worked out pretty well for them. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to give him that. Well, um, the Cavs bench is, is that's actually a team you want to play for yeah, now. Actually, they're going, they're like third in the East. Yeah, I'm, Holy I'm shit. thinking like a slightly better contract than he's already on. Plus, he frees up a lot of cap space for United, who mm. could probably use someone a bit better, <laughs> a little bit better than him anyway. Oh dear. Yes. Yeah, that's a backhanded compliment for yes. for Delhi there. Let's move on now to favorite of. Bloody hell segments. It really is. It's our fourth Christmas, and we've talked about him four times. Yuri Tolochko. Yuri Tolochko. Now, what do we give him for all that fodder? He's well, already got blow-up dolls. He's already got a giant ashtray. What do you give the man that has everything? Well, the thing is, he did put a decent-sized hole in one of them. So we could always get him one of those tire puncture repair kits. <laughs> Resurrect Margot. Yeah, you can fix Margot. Yeah. Simple. Oh, that's good. And for future reference, too. Hmm. Yeah, you don't want to get that ashtray too close to no, the... Uh, God, no, God, yeah, yeah, they get very jealous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ashtrays are notorious for... for they're so, not polygamists. Hang on, he's got Margot. Did he call the ashtray? Did he just call it Ash? I don't know. Well, Ashley, yeah. Ashley. Yeah. yeah. Yuri. Yuri. He's onto a good thing. Yuri, I'm sure he'll appear again. And then finally, another basketball one. Oklahoma City and New Orleans. Holy shit. The best finish to a game this season. It's got to be very hard to top, isn't it? Yeah, well, and I mean, you'll be very happy with how it all works. Oh, superb! Great one foot step back three from about 35 feet from Shea Gilgis Alexander. Kind of heaved from the hip, like because well, he thought he was getting fouled. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, there was no time left, and so. then 1.3 seconds remain. And Devontae Graham hits a 61 footer to win the game. Oh, it was nuts! Perfect. Oh, find the footage if you haven't seen it Perfect already for the tanker. Yeah, so what do we give him? Uh, number one and number two in the draft next year would be uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. Or that too. That's probably a popular Christmas present. We'll give him Thomas the Tank Engines. I, I would rather. You'd rather the draft. I'd rather the, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll take the draft, please. Uh, fair enough. So fair a enough. A couple of pretty decent looking guys at the top of draft next year. So I'll take them. So Stewie, what do you want Santa to bring you this Christmas? Sleep. <laughs> if it's possible to physically bring sleep. Like, well, I was thinking in the sports world, but uh, yeah, okay. Just eight hours of sleep, aka the ballad of games on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could induce sleep. That could. If only the ashes wasn't on at the same time. Yes. Yes. How about yourself, mate? I want to see Jonathan Taylor still running rampant for my Colts. Best running back we've had since Edger and James. He's still cranking up those 100-yard games with touchdowns. Oh, what a win over the Patriots on the weekend. Edger and James. Yeah. There's a name I haven't thought yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. But Jonathan Taylor, I tell you what, he is magnificent. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh? <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't hand it off to him to run <laughs> but uh jonathan taylor on the other hand yeah and santa's already answered one of my wishes jock landau's been getting a few more minutes lately mm, which is good yeah he had a good game today yeah yeah so he's getting on the court before drew eubanks so maybe he's jumped ahead in the rotation and i heard kevin o'candyland talking about Jakob potal potentially being on the trading block so if he is that does open up things for landau potentially it really does yeah, yeah. and Saving the best till last now. Sorry if it's a bit cheesy, but we do mean it. A very special thank you to you, whether you're a subscriber, a regular listener, or even a casual listener. We really appreciate your support and we hope that you'll continue to listen to us in the new year. We'll have a few more interesting things going on then, which we'll talk about in next week's episode. Thank you for being so jovial, Stewie. You've been very nice once again. You've been a bit naughty, but... Well, you know. Only behind closed doors. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Stewie. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bauble Boy. <laughs> We've both been naughty for not probably preparing this yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every year. Every year. Merry Christmas from the Sport Blokes. I want presents. So, Shui, there's rumours that the league 
or a percentage of it is for sale. Now, we don't know much about that yet, so we'll come back to that in the future. How much do you reckon I could get? Oh, cold hard cash. For 100 bucks. 250s. Yeah. A couple of pineapples there. couple of pineapples. Yeah. Probably, probably, probably not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Although I love the idea when the Wildcats were in a bit of financial strife at one point there, I love the idea of doing a Green Bay Packers and like basically floating them on the stock market so fans could buy them. Mm. How good would that be? You down with that? Anyway. All right. So where do we start? I mean, we've got to start with the Jekyll and Hyde, the, the, Sydney, the, Kings, the yes. Sydney Kings. Yes, the Jesters and Kings all in one weekend, all in a few days. What a weird weekend that oh, was. Oh, it sure was. I just I just remember turning on this game with such high hopes. If anyone listened last week, you would know that that was in my what do you want for bit. And for good reason. And for good reason. The Melbourne-Sydney rivalry is great, but I just don't understand how this happens. How you can give up a 26-0 start. That's absurd, isn't it? Isn't it? It's absurd. Melbourne are very happy Golding and White are back. Well, Golding was back for that one. Didn't even really play that well when you look well, at Well, yeah, first game back. Four, yeah, four yeah. of ten. but He helped, but he didn't 42 points help. No, he what did not. What a margin. No. My God. Well, it was Caleb Agata. Yeah, we rubbish. We called him. for it. Yeah, we yeah. It was bound to happen, wasn't it? Yeah. We're in the overreactions. When you're recording every week, it's very hard to not be in the overreactions. Yeah, anymore. but no, just flat out saying, oh, he's not really a shooter. And what does he do? He comes in absolutely on fire. Melbourne couldn't miss in that first quarter. And then the flip side is that the Sydney Kings couldn't throw a beach ball in the ocean. Oh, two, of, two of 22 in that first quarter. Absolutely absurd. Lowest field goal percentage in NBL history, 21.1%. Least amount of shots ever made, 15 field goals in the 7,133 NBL games played. Mm. Thank you again at NBL Facts, one of the great Twitter followers. The thing that I found so frustrating about this, though, was that nine of the first 12 shots that Sydney threw up were three-pointers. And as a coach sitting there on the sidelines, how does Chase Buford not call a timeout, sit the guys down and go, guys... Drive the ball to the fucking rack. Get a, <laughs> get a foul. Get a layup. Yeah. 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 Get fouled, whatever it happens to be. But stop this one pass bullshit firing up a three. Like it was actually, as much as I was enjoying it, it was infuriating as a basketball purist to see this crap. 34 5 in the first quarter. Yep. Five. That is the biggest first quarter deficit in the history of the league. It's, it's absolutely unfathomable how a team that is professional... I saw tweets about people saying it looks like, you know, a rec team versus a bunch of fill-ins. Yeah, you know, you get those sort of like one-sided games at, at a local leisure centre where it's like an A-grade team versus a C-grade team. That's what it looks like. I've been on both sides of those games. Yep, yes. me too. Yes. So, yeah, I, I just... I don't understand how there weren't any plays where they were just passing it into Jarrell Martin in the post and saying, right, go to the rack. If you get doubled, kick it out for the three, that's fine. But take it to the rim, do something. Like It just it blew my mind. Having said that, yeah, great to watch Melbourne United actually playing some decent ball. Uh, there was a little bit of a concern for me at the start of the season, and I think a lot of other people as well, that maybe they weren't going to be quite as good as they were last year. And we're starting to see some signs, obviously holding Sydney to 47. And then in their next game, holding New Zealand to 60. First time a team has held two opponents to 60 points or less in the same round ever. Yeah, hats off. Yeah, But then the, the stupidest thing happens after losing to the previously winless Melbourne United. They come out and play the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. who had In won, Melbourne, by who, the way. Who'd won all their games. Yeah. And they freaking blitz them. By 11. Yeah. yeah. Like they double, <laughs> where, where is the form line? There's none. They oh, doubled double them up in the first quarter, 29 to 14 in the first quarter after being down 29 in the first quarter. And okay, they didn't accelerate the way you would potentially like them to. 
But geez, if if you get a pantsing, you'd take that win any day of the week. Yeah. Yep. And so I thought I'm going to do a little bit of research here. It's a 53-point turnaround, a 42-point loss to an 11-point lead. I was wondering, like, this has to be close to... Oh, yeah, you, you would have thought so. It's not. Yeah. It's it's not. Unbelievable. Couldn't believe this. I went back and checked every single round of the 40-minute era, and it happened four years ago. The Adelaide 36ers in round 13 lost to Melbourne United by 31 points. And then the very next game in round 14, they beat Illawarra by 32. Wow. So a 63-point <laughs> turnaround in wow. two games. Wow. And there was also a New Zealand team that beat Adelaide by 44 last season. They'd lost their previous game by 18 to Sydney. So that was a 62-point turnaround. There was a couple of 57s. Yeah, gee whiz. It was a bizarre round of basketball. Some good and bad news, sweet and sour for the Kings. Dion Vasilovic is back, but Jordan Hunter out for the season. Yeah, Vasilovic was a little bit rusty. You could see oh, the legs weren't there, understandable. which is fair enough. But yeah, the Hunter loss is just huge. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, it's certainly, you wouldn't think that it puts them out of playoff contention by any stretch. We obviously saw what they can do against the Phoenix. My concern actually is really with their imports. RJ Hunter has looked less than impressive. Well, he's been injured though. That's the problem. He's not even available. Like I, th- I thought he looked okay in that first game. He showed a bit in that first game, but I'm worried about their big man stocks too. I mean, it's a big league. You're going to have to go through some teams with some pretty big centers. Okay, maybe maybe not the Wildcats. Well, the Wildcats have some there. Yeah, well, Matt Hodgson will play eventually. Yeah, yeah, he will. He will. But that, but that hurts their big stocks a little. I yeah, think. I, I don't mind the idea of playing sort of like I guess two fours having um, Jarrell Martin having Jarrell Martin and Xavier Cooks. I like the idea of that. Sort of creates a, a really decent amount of switchability on defense. Yeah, I mean it's still it's going to be tough for them. I, I don't know if Hunter is the right guy right now, and Adams hasn't really been playing much either. And in a short season like this, yeah, well, two of my four playoff picks are not looking very good, Sydney and New Zealand. But I, I, I still hold out some hope for both. But uh, yeah, geez. Oh, I don't know about New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand's at a hiding yeah, to nothing. No, I don't think they're going to make it. No, no, a lot would have to go right. They'd, they'd basically have to win two out of every three games from here. Yeah, yeah. Do you know the real cool thing though that I remember from this game that just really, really caught my attention? Did you see Angus Glover give the two short? You know the little two short thing they do where they hold their hand down at their side. Like saying, oh, he's too short. He can't guard me. Oh, he no, did, I did not notice he that. He did that to Joe <laughs> Well, clearly he's got a sense of humor. Like, like I mean, <laughs> it was a good move to the basket. Uh, he used, his, used the, the body to... I'm a big fan uh, of Glover, hey. Big fan. He's, well, yeah, when he's not sticking the knee into people's face. Well, yeah, okay. But, yeah. but no, he's a, he's a good player. He definitely seems to be taking that next step. Well, they need him. They do. They really do. So, yes, very weird weekend for Sydney. Speaking of weird, we had a freaky Friday, didn't we? So we have yet another double overtime game, this time Illawarra edging New Zealand by one. And that's the problem with New Zealand. They've lost all their games, but a couple of them, they they were right in. They they could very easily be three and two rather than 0 and five, or at least two and three. And then Perth got revenge on Brizzy. We'll start with Illawarra and New Zealand first, though. Hugo Bosson climbing those draft boards, still impressing, still got ice in his veins. He is fearless. Now, Tyler Harvey's shooting woes continued, only 11 of 28, but he did score 26 points. Reef had another monster game. Oh, he's just, he's so NBA bound, it's ridiculous. 21 and 13. Well, with all the woes that's happening in the NBA with players at the moment, it'd be really interesting to see if they poach some of the NBL guys. I hope they don't, but it could very well happen. I mean, obviously, you want to see guys succeed, but yeah. Yeah, it always has to happen, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But then on the flip side, I guess this is the thing with New Zealand. For me, I think the best formula they have for success 
is just run pick and rolls with Hugo Besson and Yanni Wetzel all day and just say, right, if you switch the bigger guy onto Besson, he's going to beat them off the dribble or he's going to have his step back threes or the passes into Wetzel, he can dominate against a smaller player. I think he's been superb. What do you have, 25 and 17? And only missed four shots. Dominate is the right word. He's He is playing very, very well. Good to see Abercrombie back. Finn Delaney only had eight shots. You want Delaney getting more shots than that? Yeah, in a, a double OT he's game. A bit, he's a bit up and down at the moment, unfortunately. But he played he played over forty five minutes, and he only got eight shots in a double OT game. Mm. That's a missed trick there for me. Yeah, potentially. I mean, it could be because Wetzel. Look, I'll admit I didn't actually see much of this game. Yeah, I, I, I saw the end of the fourth and the overtimes, so I didn't see the whole game. That's about but what I saw. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. For me, I think the biggest issue with the breakers right now is Jeremiah Martin. Now, okay, 14 points in in that game, but the shooting percentages are woeful. And I'm seeing the same thing from him. It's just dribble, 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 dribble. He is just pounding the ball for huge amounts of the 24-second shot clock. His shot is hideous. His decision-making is not great. His passing's good. He's he's got decent vision. He can make passes, but I just don't rate him at all. I, I just think there's there's so many other guys you can look at. I mean, he's basically averaging 10, 3, and 3 at the moment, which when you talk about the fact that Peyton Siver's not in at the moment, he should be the guy picking up the slack. And I'm just not seeing enough from him. As I say, I would be playing him for the jump shot. And you know what? If he knocks down five or six, go nuts. I don't think he's hit a three-pointer all season. So I think last time I checked, he was 0% from three and about 30% from two-point range. So his shooting is woeful. And given the injuries they've had, they need they needed that extra production in these early games. So your, your points are fair. Do you know who they could use? One of the Websters. <laughs> I know those two uh, were toxic, but... Yeah, geez, they're not good chemistry, guys. Jeez, they could use them right now. So, yeah, look, good win for Illawarra. And unfortunately for Besson, he did slip over on a potential game-winning shot. Yeah, it was a bit anticlimactic, wasn't it? It yeah, was. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't call a foul, though. The refs can be trigger-happy with that stuff. Yeah, no, I'm glad they let the players decide it. It would have been, yeah, it would have been a shame to decide that at the free-throw line. The other shining light is McDowell-White, still looking very good. Yeah. So there are positives for New Zealand, but... It's everything but the ladder. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's it'll be interesting. I mean, Sivers now officially on what the what do they call the injury list effectively. And well, he, he well, I mean, he may we may not see him this season. Let's wouldn't face. surprise me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they brought in Chesson Randall, who played with Orlando in the NBA. Looks to be a pretty decent player, but like so many of these imports, we need to see him before yeah, we know what yeah. sort of player he's going to be. Yeah. But geez, I hope he's an offensive player because the New Zealand Breakers need offense. So, James Duncan finally coached a regulation game. Mm. Forget the overtimes. This time a loss to Perth. Perth got their revenge. The news is the headbutt and the flop, isn't it? But we'll, we'll talk about the game itself first. So, obviously, a lot of talk in this one will go to Bryce Cotton. 11 of 19 from the field, 29 points. He looked like the Bryce Cotton of Oh, all. yeah, he was magnificent. He was superb from start to finish. But I think the real talking point has to be Jesse Wagstaff. Yes, yes. Cir- the Renaissance. Circuit Give the man a five-year contract. 20, this is like 2015 <laughs> Jesse Wagstaff. That's crazy. I have, cannot remember the last time I saw him driving past guys. He was freaking Euro Taking stepping. it to the rack. Yeah, faking guys, taking it to the rack. It's it great. was amazing. So, oh, yeah, was brilliant. 19 points, 8 of 14 from the field. He was just sensational off the bench and absolutely spearheaded the second unit. I, I, you can't say enough about him. Obviously, for Brisbane, they had some pretty decent performances as well. Robert Franks continues to... Oh, yeah. He, he, he's very impressive. Just look a class above everyone else right now. And he's knocking down threes too. So he's not just banging down low. He's, he's hitting that three with semi-regularity. So yeah, he, he looks to be one of the, the best 
I guess of the guys that we haven't seen in the league, so not the existing imports, he's maybe the top of the pile. He might well be. I mean, early season MVP candidate, as, as long as he stays, I guess. So, yeah, very, very good. Look, Anthony Drimmick looked banged up. You could tell that he wasn't right. Nathan Sobey had a rib injury, couldn't shoot the ball late in the game. Yeah, it didn't hit many shots at all. No, so they didn't really get much help from anyone else. Their bench was woeful again. So Wigness played less than two minutes. Yep. That's interesting. Yep, come on, come on, get down with the Wigness. Mm. But he actually had a pretty decent game in their second game of the weekend. So maybe there's slight hope. Well, now we'll get to that in a second, but we've got to talk about the incident. Yeah. So there's been a little bit of a how do you do and Deng Deng and Vic Law come together and Law's done something pretty stupid. He's oh, put, he's led with the head. He's put the head in. Yeah. I, and then about Head butt is a... No. That's a stretch, isn't it? It was a love tap. It was a love tap. It was a, like a lean in and a bit of a push. It's still, I'm not excusing it. I and, and I saw on Twitter some people thought that he didn't have a case to answer, which is crazy. Mm. He clearly had to go to the tribunal for it. But it wasn't Reese Jones, for example. It, like, it wasn't. Yeah. And then about four hours later, Dang Dang falls down. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the delayed reaction. Uh, Jesus Christ. It was it was almost the daylight savings. Like the, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. He, oh, it was, he forgot to turn his clock back an hour. Oh, it was so funny. So reports at the stadium were that they kept showing it on the big screen and the crowd just laughed and laughed and got louder and rowdier with every single showing. Yeah. And the commentary was fun. Like Corey Williams was going nuts, wasn't he? He, well, yeah, he's already created a yes, like he, a fake, he credit a fake, to him. A fake Oscar. Yeah, he said he'd make a trophy up for him. He deserved a trophy. That was woeful. We do not want to see that in our game. What's worse, the headbutt or the dive? The dive, definitely. Yeah, the dive's worse. Yeah, it is. Yep. We don't want to see that shit. It's not soccer. Piss off. Yeah, like I mean, sticking the head in. It was a bad act. It's a low act. And if it got a week, I could have lived with that actually. Mm. The early plea meant that it was only a fine. Yeah. And again, there's been a, a, several indiscretions already this season that have all been fines, basically. Yeah. I think the best part was watching Wilbur. So, oh, magnificent. So yeah. if anyone hasn't seen it, <laughs> Wilbur, the mascot for the Perth Wildcats, was diving and writhing all over the floor in agony. It was just, it was such a great piss take. Really, really good. The other funny Wilbur moment was when he was sitting next to a beautiful woman in the crowd and Corey was like, oh, well, Wilbur's got some game. He's like oh, picking up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if it was that game or the Tassie game, but that was funny. I feel like there's a pussy joke in there oh, somewhere. You know, I didn't even think I'm not it. even going to, yeah, oh, I'm not going to go there because I've got one later in the show. <laughs> yes, I know that one's coming. Obviously, the big downside was the injury to Todd Blanchfield, though. Crutch is never a great sign. Apparently, it's better than it looked, but non-contact injuries aren't great. Oh, and it was the same knee, I think. It's it's sad when you see a guy come from injury. And he played well returning from injury last week. But then, yeah. So, Frazier, probably here to stay now, you would think, unless they're planning on playing Cotton, Norton, White and Zunic as their guard rotation. Uh, I think there's enough, and we'll talk a bit more about Fraser in the, the other game. But Yeah, I think I have a bit more time for him than you uh, do. But... He, he didn't show me much in that game, but the second game he was a lot better. Yeah, no, he was pretty good in that Tassie yeah. game. Good revenge. So Cairns, 93, knocked off Adelaide, 67. Great first win for the Snakes. It has to be said, though, just as disappointing for Adelaide as it is exciting for Cairns. This was one of the worst performances I have seen. And I have to say, I had high hopes for Adelaide at the start of the season. They have well, yeah, we both did, yeah. well and truly dissipated. And I thought Cairns would finish bottom, but they're two and one. Hmm. I mean, okay, Tassie and Adelaide, but... But still. Yeah, wins are wins. Mitch McCarron. We said he was the pickup of the off-season. He was horrible in this game. And he hasn't been great all season. He 
can be a little inconsistent, can't he? I mean, he'll always give you good perimeter D. So you can't just look at the box score. He is one of those blokes that does a bit like Delhi as well. It's yeah. not all about the box score. There is some eye test stuff. But they need scoring out of him. They do. Yeah. Speaking of scoring, though, they are starting to get some decent scoring out of Dusty Hannah. So I think he might just survive. Yes. After that first week, he's played a lot better in the last two weeks. Todd Withers is the problem now. Yeah, well, maybe. He has not looked particularly great. Doesn't look capable of being that next sort of supporting import. And then really their bench is doing nothing as well. Mojave King, he looks like he might even be done. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm not sold on him as an NBA prospect. I'm barely sold on him as an NBL prospect. Well, <laughs> he's still like, very young. He's, he's still very young. Yeah, that's, I just, I'm not seeing much, unfortunately. So it could very well be a long season. Obviously for Cairns, though, great to see Keanu Pinder have a great game. Majok Deng, they have stepped up with Scott Machado out. I've been so impressed. And Cairns are starting to play this sort of big lineup with length and, and being able to push guys around the court and put them in positions they're not happy with. They've got some defenders. They can defend. Hmm. Yeah. And McCall. Yes. Have you changed your mind on him? or? Oh, look, he's a good player. I mean, they need him now. Yeah. With Machado yeah. out, they absolutely need to keep him. But yes, they need to get someone else, whether it be a mellow Trimble type. Oh, I like that, Shuey. Mm. I like that. I like it. I think I think McCall could give him a bit more scoring punch probably, but he had 13 and 10 with four steals. So th- there's no denying. I mean, he, he could be the defensive player of the year. Oh, absolutely. He is the, he is the Justin Simon of this season. Yeah. yeah. Great defender. The shot's not amazing, but... It's serviceable, and obviously, yeah, he's going to pick up enough steals. He's passing the ball. I mean, ten assists in that game as well, which is uh, which is pretty decent. But anyway, bleh, not really a great game. No, there are a few of those this weekend. Yeah, well, speaking of Melbourne United, eighty-three beating New Zealand sixty. Another yeah. one. That was a tough one to watch. Yeah, the United fans will be happy though. They'll be a lot more optimistic than they were at the start. Or well, maybe maybe they were always had faith and maybe we were wrong. Maybe, well, quite possibly. I'm still not convinced they're a top four side. I think they're on the fringe. So they could, hmm. but a lot would have to go right because Brizzy's looking good and we'll come to them in a sec. This was very much a Steph Curry, Chris Golding game. Yes. Yeah. Went nuts in the end. Seven threes, just crazy off balance stuff. Feet weren't even set on one of them that he hit from the top of the keyway. Oh, he loves that stuff. It is nice to watch when he's not playing your team. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We've seen that so many times oh, as well, yes. supporters. Yes. But yeah, look, even great to see Jack White make his return in that game. No real rust, which was nice. He was looking really, really trim, really athletic. Well, they're full strength now, so we know what we're getting from Melbourne. Yeah. We can we can see them in full flight. Yeah, we start making a judgment on them. And look, the judgment so far is so far, pretty, so good. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, unfortunately, we did not see Brisbane's impressive win over Illawarra, their first loss of the season. I saw most of the first quarter, but then I had to duck out with, yeah. with the girls to go and get some stuff done. But well, I was watching the Ashes. This, yeah, well, this was an absolute sucker punch that Brisbane threw in the first quarter. And when Brisbane play that kind of balanced basketball where they're not just relying on one and two guys, I think that's when they're most dangerous. Yeah, they had really, really good performances, not just by their star players, but you look at Tanner Krebs played well off the bench, which is probably the first decent game he's had. Wigness had some decent moments off the bench as well. So they're getting decent contributions from some of these backup guys, which allowed players like, you know, Drimmick still not 100%. It allowed him to kind of coast through the game and get, get through it okay. Sobe, you know, bounced back fairly well. So the ribs must be all right. You had good performances from Franks. You had a good performance from Patterson, but not 
like stand out, not 28 points, 15 rebounds. We're talking more like 16 and seven. Well, they really shared the load, didn't they? So they did. it was that's that that can be a good sign too, I think. Absolutely. And do you know what? Credit where credit's due. Best game Jason Cadiz played in God knows how long. Reith was a little bit quieter than usual. He still had 15 and seven, which is decent. But Tyler Harvey, the shooting woes continue. Four of 16. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing for me. If, if you look at the bench, and I mentioned this last week, look at the bench. Tim Conrad, 15 minutes, eight points. Rathan Mays, 15 minutes, six points. And they're the only blokes that got off the bench. That's it. Yeah. So this is where I worry. There's so many guys. Ogilvy didn't play. Emmett Nard didn't play. White didn't play. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I worry about this Illawarra team. Does, I still... does, doesn't that scare you a bit? Well, uh, you're playing seven guys. Well, Gorgian, I mean, it was a close game. They could have very easily won. So, surely, Gorgian just has a shorter rotation. It's almost playoff mode in a way. Surely, an Ogilvy or a White can play five minutes in the second quarter. Ogilvy's not very mobile, though. Maybe he thought Franks would dominate him a bit if he's taking him out to the perimeter. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're saving Ogilvy as well. Uh, Again, it was only a four-point game. Great win oh, for Brisbane. Course. Maybe they're going to be different at home to away because obviously they've they've lost their away games apart from that great road win here in Perth. All I'm saying, though, with that is if you take Duop Reef out of that, it's not looking great. Teams are allowed to have a bad game. Of course they are. Yeah. But I'm yeah. saying if, if... But no, you're right. I mean, they're only playing seven guys. Yeah. If, yeah, if yeah. Reef goes across to America, then you're playing six guys. And then some of these other guys who haven't played have to then plug in and do something. Yeah. So I'm not sure what happened with Harry Froling there. I didn't see the game. I don't know if he's got a niggle or something. Might but... have done. Yeah, I didn't see that, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, as I say, I've, I've got concerns about Illawarra. I'm not saying that they're going to miss the playoffs, but... Oh, no, they're not missing the playoffs. But they're one injury and do up Reith away from missing the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. And then really, I mean, we all saw this coming. Perth 101 defeats Tasmania 83. First team to score 100 points in a game this season. Exactly how I imagined this game going. Tassie started well. They had things to prove. Obviously, Will Magne and Clint Steindl and Jared Bairstow coming back. But Perth were always going to be too talented in this one. Corey Sherville sighting this yes. weekend, by the way. Good Corey Sherville sighting Played as well. in both games. Had nine... Oh, he did force a couple of threes I didn't like. He had nine points in this game, though. Yeah, yeah, he did force. Season them. high. No, good to see him, though. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, look, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff to, to come out of this game. Obviously, Vic Law was sensational. 32 points, 11 of 19 shooting, 12 boards as well. Kind of worried that he may get picked up by the NBA, but we shall see. 68 between the three imports for Perth. So very good production there. Yep. Frazier starting as well. Started so. to show some stuff, hit some shots, which is nice. Got to the rack, played a bit of defense. 13 and eight rebounds. Eight rebounds, good for a little guy. Very good, yeah. Yeah, and he plays good too. Really? And, and and he he he's, he plays point too. So it looks, the Wildcats have been playing point by committee. Mm. There's like no clear, I don't know if that's the decision before Norton comes back because there's no clear point guard. Cotton will play a little bit. Frazier's played a bit. Travis plays a bit off the bench. They'll work through law. So, yeah, that's interesting, I think. Mm. But and look, then Zunich as well, of course. You know what? Perth get through their five-game homestand, four and one, head onto the road now. This is where the season really starts for them. Now, a couple of things for me. How worried should we be about Will Magno? Very. Seven points, four shots. Disinterested. Four throughout. shots? Yeah, he looked disinterested. He should be getting four dunks a game minimum. Do you know what worries me more than that, though? One rebound. That's what worries me more. This is a guy that was in the NBA recently. Yeah. What the hell has happened? 
Like, I understand on that perhaps Perth squad mid-season that it would be hard to adjust. This is a new season. You've had an off-season. Like, yeah. he's their marquee. He's one of their marquee guys. This is not good. It's not. As I said, though, the, the one rebound is way more worrying to me than the seven points. I can... If it was seven points on three of eight, you'd actually probably feel better about that. But the fact that you've got guys that were playing four, like Chris Levich played four minutes, 18 and had more rebounds than Magno. And the fact that Magno only played 18 minutes as well. Like that's, this is a problem. The only bloke that didn't have more rebounds than him had zero. Everyone else had as many or more. Mm. <laughs> not it's, good for your seven footer. It's really not. No. So yeah, I must admit, doesn't read particularly well. Look, they had some decent performances. I mean, I thought Majette played really well. Uh, yeah, you look at the box score, probably the most important thing is no turnovers in that game. Yeah, 17.7 boards, six assists as well. Pretty good. You you would take that from him. Yeah, certainly there were some concerns. You know, we spoke to the guys on the Pocket Podcast and I kind of agreed in watching some of the early games. That- well, we didn't talk about that Adelaide game where he jacked up that three when Josh Adams was on fire. He should have got it to Josh. He panicked. He had plenty of time. He took two threes when he could have given it. Speaking of Josh Adams, I thought he could have been a bit more assertive, a bit more aggressive. Yeah, maybe a I mean, he bit. took 14 shots, but I don't know. There were times in the game where I thought, geez, Josh Adams, if he takes this by the scruff of the neck, this could be a different game. Yeah, could have could have had his little Patterson moment, I guess, like what, what happened in that yeah, game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, fair play for being a team player, but sometimes when you're an import, you do need to take it by the scruff of the neck. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, look, hopefully the next round's a little bit more exciting. It wasn't an amazing round, to be fair. A couple of things quickly. Thon Maker, we could see him in the league soon. The mm. rumours are swirling around several teams. Be interesting. We'll cover that when it happens, if it happens. There's be another league that he's not good enough for. Well, there's 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 worries about his handlers, mm. like Ben Simmons' handlers. But yeah. um, And then the other thing, so Sydney won a Christmas match one day. You've got to give it to Illawarra, though. Christmas Reef. Yes, absolutely. Well, the Sydney Kings could have it. They could bring Darren Jolly in from the, <laughs> from the old Sydney Swans. <laughs> Tis the season, Darren Jolly. Yeah, have him sit in courtside. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Here's a thought. Freeway battle. Yes, Christmas. Cr- yeah. Have yeah. It, have well, it. Joop Reith needs to stay in the league now, so we yes. have a Christmas Reith. Absolutely. Unless we can get, like, John Mistletoe from the, <laughs> the Spanish League. <laughs> Everyone can kiss under the mistletoe. <laughs> Bit of college before we move to the NBA. Yeah, just one quick thing. This is insane. So shout out to Georgia Southern's NCAA women's team. They knocked off Carver College 133 to 15. Ouch. For the second largest margin in Division I women's basketball history. Yeah, wow. This actually trails the 155 to 26 blowout delivered by Savannah State to Wesleyan in 2018. That is it. Wow. The starting five for Carver contributed four points on two of 27 shooting. And the team recorded 49 turnovers. Oh. 49. Yikes. Jamila Bennett had 11 and he had three other players that had seven. So not great. Wow. And then all 14 players scored for Georgia Southern in a game that featured a 33 to nothing second quarter. Very similar to Melbourne. the Melbourne yes. Sydney game. <laughs> this was insane. So yes, uh, well, well done. Insane indeed. Speaking, so speaking of insane. COVID. Yeah, so normally you get excited about the Christmas schedule, but it's hard to get excited about the Christmas schedule this year, isn't it? <laughs> it depends if they get played. I mean. Well, yeah. But, well, there's been talk of a two-week break, but what would that achieve apart from losing two weeks? Nothing, yeah. I, I can't see that happening. So I guess what we've got to quickly talk about, though, before we get into that, the insanity of the whole Kyrie Irving thing. Yes. 
So desperation. Brooklyn were saying right from the start, we will not have Kyrie Irving as a part-time player. He would be a distraction if he's doing that. Yep. He's either all in with a vaccination or he's out. Yep. And we agreed with that move. 100% we did. Yeah. And this was a real game of like high stakes chicken. Yep. And Brooklyn blinked first. Yeah. Well, they're worried about replacement players, I guess. Yep. So and they, they've come out and said there's definitely not a bubble. They're not they're not returning to a ah, bubble. I didn't see that. Yeah. So, well, that's the talk. So, so it means the games have to be played. It means the travel's still happening. There will be still some cities he can't play in because of the laws, but on the road, he'll be able to play a lot of games well, if he decides to. It's everywhere outside of New York and everywhere that isn't Toronto. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't go to Canada, yeah. So, and I think part of the reason is that they can see the miles they're putting into Kevin Durant's legs. Like, he is incredibly well-conditioned, he's super fit, but he's 33 years old and they're playing him 37 minutes a night. Oh, it's not sustainable. And And he's playing at a crazy level, like MVP level. But But it's not long-term sustainable. No, you, you want to be fresh for the playoffs. And it feels like James Harden hasn't been around much. He's played one game less than Durant and he's averaging 36 minutes a game. Yeah. So, yeah, they absolutely looked at this and said, oh, you know what, we can maybe maintain a bit of home court advantage, get some wins on the road, allow KD or Harden to maybe sit the second of back-to-backs. That's all I can think of, but gee whiz. Yeah, well, they might think that they need that home court advantage against Milwaukee. It's not, um, it's not a good look, though, is it? But, yeah, that Christmas game that everyone salivated about, uh, the Brooklyn-LA game, AD's out for four to six weeks. The Lakers are in a bit of trouble too. So it's hard to get excited, isn't it? They're in massive trouble. I mean, LeBron's playing 37 and a half minutes. Yeah, well, that yes. I mean, there's been concerns about his mileage for a few years now. Yeah. So I, I honestly believe the Lakers are non-threats for the title this season. I'm, I'd be surprised. A lot would have to break right for them from here. Well, even, and again, even it was that Westbrook trade. They shouldn't have done it. Mm. I said it all along. Good to see Isaiah Thomas back in the league, though. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was yeah. really good. He had like a G League debut where he had 42 or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it was I mean, like, get the man in the league. He, he belongs. He absolutely belongs. I mean, this guy was like fourth or fifth in the MVP voting a few years back. Like, he kind of just gone from being that good to being shit. I know sometimes players are kind of, they're creatures of their, their surroundings and their habitat, and they're only as good as where they are. But you can't tell me he's not. No, he, he's definitely good enough for the league. Tweet of the week for me was in response to Legion Hoop's question, which said, which ex-NBAer would you like to see back in the league? <laughs> Jamal Crawford retweeted simply saying, me. Absolutely. <laughs> well, bring, bring in a there's f- a very four, good chance. 41-year-old Jamal Crawford. Well, there's um, a very good chance. Given what's in. going on, he'll be back in. And then he'll do his hamstring again well, in the he, first game. He could help a team. So obviously the issues we, we're speaking about, it just all comes down to this COVID. We've had postponements in four of the last seven days in the NBA. There's more than 70 players sidelined at one point. From the 13th to the 18th of December, the Brooklyn Nets had 10 players in health and safety protocols, including Durant, Irving Harden, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Bruce Brown. Ouch. You know, you've got the Cavaliers. They had seven players, including Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Isaac Okoro. And yet somehow they still managed to be the third seed at 19 and 12 or whatever it is. Darius Garland is an all-star. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But then you've got other teams that have four, five, six players on there. Chicago's been decimated. Yep. yep. And there's big players out. You know, Giannis, Trey Young, Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Edwards, Pascal Siakam, De'Aaron Fox. The list goes on. It's a lot, but I have to demonstrate how devastating this is to franchises and the product. You've already mentioned the Christmas Day special. Yeah, it's a real shame. Which is not going to be special anymore. No, no. Like, imagine you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan. Your team's been shit all year. You get to go to see Giannis play this week. 
Oh no, he's out. Yeah. Like, how bummed are you going to be? Yeah. Well, when you when you follow a crap team, that can be the highlight of the season is seeing the opposition great Absolutely. players. Yeah. Everyone yeah. used to talk about how amazing it was when Chicago came to town. Of or course. Yeah. When the Lakers came to town with the hottest Kobe ticket or, in town. Yeah. yeah like, yep. I don't know if there's a solution to this yeah, yeah. unless you just lock all the, the fans out like they did last season. Well, and this is going to be true of many sports. The teams that are most disciplined, the players that are not going out and going to strip clubs and making out with chicks at nightclubs and stuff will be the teams that give themselves a better chance. So why are you looking at me like that's what I do? I don't go out to club. <laughs> well, not, any, not anymore, anyway, not for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. I saw, who was it? I can't remember if it was an NBA player or an NFL player who said he wore his mask in the shower. That's how paranoid wow. he was. Yeah, yeah. Good. So there's extremes. There are extremes. But yeah. No, no. I'm not sure there's a solution to this. But uh, yeah, NFL is is having similar problems. Yep. And I honestly believe the teams that are the most disciplined about staying away from people, it's a hard life being a professional. They're making a lot of money, but geez, it's been a tough couple of years. Big sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Couple of quick things to round out the NBA. Obviously, two second shout out to Steph Curry for breaking the record. We spoke about it last week. Did so in 511 fewer games than Ray Allen. Now, I read at the time of the record, he had made over 76,000 feet worth of three pointers. Yes. <laughs> at, at an average, There's been some amazing stuff done about this. So, average of 25.5 feet per make. Ray Allen was about 72,300 or 24.3 feet per make. But massive, massive props to Tom Thibodeau for taking a timeout as soon as he hit that shot. Absolutely classy. Brilliant to yeah, see the way very classy. the whole place celebrate. And yep. they let the timeout go for about five or six minutes. Yeah, yeah. But this is this is good. It doesn't happen very often. And no. Obviously, you expect that if and when LeBron breaks Kareem's record, that will happen. Oh, as well. yeah. Well, that that's huge if that happens. I mean, you can almost guarantee they'll do that when he passes Carl Malone for second. A very good chance. Which is not that far away. I think yeah, he's about a thousand yeah. points away now. Right, so could right. do maybe this season, maybe early next. Quick one for me. With the 43 points against the Charlotte Hornets, Damian Lillard became the 25th player with 40 career 40-point games and just the 10th to do it for one team. He did it on just 19 shots and he also had eight assists to boot. Not bad. So a very good performance by him. Portland not having a great season, but that is a silver lining in there. Otherwise, pretty subpar season. Free Dane. Yes, well, maybe. Trade him. Maybe. Trade him to the Wildcats. And just quickly, a very funny one about Kemba Walker. You might remember a few weeks ago that I said that the Knicks were making a mistake in taking Kemba Walker out of their rotation. Well, this stat backs me up perfectly. Okay. They are 10 and 9 with Kemba Walker. They are 2 and 7 without him. Interesting. So get the man back in the lineup. Interesting. Although he was back for the game against uh, the Celtics the other day and played not too bad. There you go. Actually played really well, I should say. Shouldn't sugarcoat it. Made the most of his opportunity. Absolutely. And now, this week in sport history. December 20th, 1894. England defeat Australia by 10 runs in the first match of the Ashes, despite being forced to follow on. Australia needed 177 to win, but were all out for 166 on the sixth day, mm. putting all the good work they did in the first innings to waste when Sid Gregory's 201, George Giffen's 161, and the 74 from number 10, Jack Blackham, had led to a score of 586. This was the largest total ever in a first innings to result in a loss, a record that stood for over 100 years until Bangladesh managed 595 against New Zealand at Wellington in 2017, but couldn't win. They got smashed in that game. Unbelievable. Seven wickets they lost by that game. Unbelievable. Must have been a road. It was. England became the first side to win a test despite being forced to follow on, and it's only ever happened three times. The crazy thing is that it's resulted in Australia losing every single time. The other two times were England beating Australia in the third test of the 1981 Ashes at Leeds, 
despite leading by 227 in the first innings. A famous 149 not out from Beefy Botham helped drag England from 7 for 135 to an amazing 356 all out. Australia was then skittled for 111. The other one is one a lot of people would remember, the second test of Australia's Tour of India in 2001, a series I watched a decent amount of on Foxtel back in the day, my first year in uni, or our first year in uni. A ton of that one. Yeah, yeah. The Aussies made 445 and led by 274 runs after the first innings before Vivius Laxman dug in and made 281 and Rahul Dravid made 180 as part of a 376-run fifth wicket stand. I remember it very well. I was a big fan of Vivius Laxman. Before Australia was rolled for 212, coming up 171 runs short. I remember watching this one so vividly, and it's one of those ones at the time, you're so frustrated, you're so angry. We've just made them follow on, we've skittled them. How can we not be yeah. taking just one wicket? But you look back on it now as a sports fan and you think, geez, what an innings. Oh. What a career-defining innings. And he was just one of those guys who could dig in. India have produced those players that can bat time. They don't care. They don't mind. No, it was mercurial. Interestingly, Pidge McGrath scored more runs than Mark Waugh, Ricky Ponting, and Gilly combined. He, of course, is not only a pigeon, but was also a bunny. Well, in actual fact, you and I scored the same amount as Mark Waugh, Ricky Ponting, and Adam Gilchrist combined. That is right. We had a bunny, a pigeon, and ducks. And ducks. Yeah. Lots of ducks. December 22nd, 1996, in one of the more hilarious acts by a mascot, Sir Purr of the Carolina Panthers jumps on a live ball in the end zone, thinking the ball was dead. Oh, terrible. This would result in a touchback where the ball's put back into play by the defending team on their own 20-yard line. Carolina would go on to win the game 18-14. to 14. Luckily. Luckily. Now, a really funny story about this guy. His name is Tommy Donovan, and he is the man behind Sir Purr. Now, I actually found a really interesting nine-minute interview with him, and they were asking him, yeah, how did you get the job? And he sort of said, well, look, I was actually at the University of South Carolina. I was their mascot. Now, if you know anything about college sports in the US, you might know that the University of South Carolina are known as the Gamecocks. So their mascot was affectionately known as Cocky. So this guy went from being a cock to being a pussy. (laughs) As if that's not bad enough, he also was involved in an incident the previous year where he saw a fan absolutely going nuts, dancing in the stands. And during a TV timeout, he invited the guy to come down and dance on the field in the end zone and kind of let everyone see him. And the guy got arrested. Yeah. And dragged off the field. Yeah, ouch. Oh, Sir Purr. Oh, Sir Purr indeed. Naughty pussy. December 23rd, 1972, the Pittsburgh Steelers complete the famous immaculate reception play to score a last-second touchdown and beat the Oakland Raiders 13-7. For anyone who hasn't seen this, the Steelers were down 7-6 with 22 seconds left and no timeouts, facing a 4th and 10 on their own 40-yard line. Amazingly, Coach Chuck Knoll drew up a play for receiver Barry Pearson, who was playing in his first ever NFL game. Maybe not such a bad play. They wouldn't have been thinking it was coming his way, maybe. Big call, though. After the snap, quarterback Terry Bradshaw was under pressure and threw to John Fakua, I think, just as he collided with Raider Jack Tatum. The ball bounced backwards to fullback Franco Harris, who had sprinted downfield in case Bradshaw needed another receiver, and found the ball bouncing right up to him before he ran it in for the game winner. It was a particularly bad beat for the Raiders because it was the AFC Divisional Playoff game. The Steelers did, however, lose to the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Miami Dolphins, the following week. And for those wondering, yes, it's that Miami team, the only team in the Super Bowl era to go a full season undefeated. Did you know Jack Tatum's Jason Tatum's dad? No. It's not. I didn't think so. But imagine. I I should have called you bluff because I knew that. His dad's name is Justin. Oh, well, yes. (laughs) 
Bloody hell. <laughs> Bloody hell. This week in sport history. Well, no time to move on to the cricket. The yes. second Ashes test is over. It is. And put simply, no Hazelwood, no Cummins, no, no Luckers. Yeah, you're right there. Australia 9 for 473 declared and 9 for 230 declared. Defeats England 236 and 192 by 275 runs. It did go to the last session, though. On it the fifth it did. Yeah. It so did. it was a good full match. A weird match. But, geez, we're into a worrying space now for this English side. Well, where do we start? So Pat Cummins was on the eve of the game as a close contact. At that poor fan just yeah. wanted to shake his hand. Yeah, didn't matter. Yeah, well, it didn't in the end. And a good debut for Nisa. Jai Richardson was superb. He'll almost certainly get a cap in the third test. And the other thing, I guess, to remember with that as well is how close we came to losing Nathan Lyon and Mitchell Stark yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. for people that maybe haven't heard about this, whilst they were at that same restaurant, they've actually tried to message Pat Cummins and say, hey, like we're here, do you want to sit together and whatever? He didn't get back to them. So they thought, oh, we'll give him some space. And they've sat outside, which has then made them a non-close contact. So it very easily could have been an entirely new bowling lineup from game one, if you count Cam Green as an all-rounder. Oh, of course. He bowled better than he batted. We did. He looks good with the ball. He does. I mean, with any luck, he'll be Australia's all-rounder for the next decade. But it's just, it's worrying. Australia lose their two best bowlers and have David Warner under an injury cloud. And it still wasn't really that close. Well, how's this for a stat? Broad and Anderson have more double-figure partnerships than England's openers. Wow. And they've only played one test together. Yeah, wow. That's, that's hideous. And here's another one that's hideous. So Root and Milan have had to carry a lot of the load. Listen to the times when Root's come in lately. So Paras Gudhar 22 on Twitter has looked at the last 26 test innings for Joe Root and when he's come in. Look at that, Shui. That is woeful. So there's one there, two for 159, one there, two for 120. After that, it is really bad reading. It's the next, like 73. There's a two for 10. There's a two for nothing. There's a two for five. There's a two for 16. The average score when Root strides to the crease in his last 26 matches, two for 36. Yeah, it's not great, is they're it? They're not laying a foundation. No, they're really not. And I know we talked last week about how poor the Australian opening partnership has been. And shock horror, first innings, Marcus Harris out for three. How pissed would he be? Butler was dropping everything else. Yeah. And he caught the hard one, which yeah. was Harris. He would have been spewing. It's, it's nuts. It was oh. such, a, such a Jekyll and Hyde from Joss Butler. We'll talk about him in a minute. Yes, we will. Because when he kicked the stumps, England kicked the bucket. They did. Yeah, they really that did. That was the end. Although he did dig in. And it has to be mentioned... We attended a quiz last night that you were the MC at, and we put our team name as Hit Wicket Bob yes. Richardson because <laughs> yes. we wanted to make reference to that. Yes. But no, look, again, Australia thoroughly outplayed England in every facet of the match. England dropping catches. They bowled negatively. Steve Smith probably felt like it was catching practice. He had six catches in the slips for the match. And again, he dropped the easy one. Yes. Weird. Just there's no grit. There's no fight in this English side. Like the only person that showed grit was Joss Butler and he should have been out for a duck in the second innings again. Yes, so- yeah, yeah. Kerry, uh, Kerry's been magnificent. Broke the record for most catches on debut. Tied the record for most dismissals. Broke the record for most catches. Didn't take the easy one. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird one. It really was. It but was- no, the keeper takes that one. Oh. The man with the gloves. David Warner even stepped back and gave him more room to dive for the catch, but he just didn't even go. Yeah. 
A, a rare blemish. If that's the worst that happened. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wanted to kind of look at some of the problems for the English side. So the batting side of things, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I heard a really great summary by Ian Chappell on the ABC. GC's been next level grumpy this series. He has been so grumpy. His grumpiness has turned to 11. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so England have got trouble at the top. Roy Burns is all over the place. Oh, yeah. He'll be very hard pressed to keep his spot. Hasib Hamid looks vulnerable early. He'll probably hold on to Oh, his he's been up and down. And then aside from Milan and Root, you don't feel confident about anyone else getting to double figures. But does replacing those guys actually mean that England will improve? Like, probably not. Not necessarily. I mean, no. Zach Crawley come in. Yeah. Will they get much out of him? Probably not. Yeah. Like, there just doesn't seem to be that whole minus Labashane diamond in the rough sort of guy in the England camp. So they don't have a move to make. Oh, I've got now I've got some stats about Manus, should we? So a contrast to that Joe Root stat I gave before, Lewis Cameron's looked at all the first inning scores since being subbed in for Steve Smith with the concussion at Lords in the last Ashes series. The lowest score, 47. Wow. 185, 162, 215, 108. There's a 90, there's a few 70s. I mean, what a career this guy has started. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is the thing, though. I, you just don't see anyone in that English side and think no, they're no. the next Marnus Labuschagne for England or no. the next Joe Root in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is worrying. You just, it is. I honestly think that they've kind of checkmated themselves and don't really have a choice there. The bowling side of things is also a concern. I mean, the Mark Wood omission is still a head-scratcher for me. Oh, yeah, big time, big time. But also the tactics. So in the first 43 overs, according to Fox Cricket, only 13 English deliveries would have hit the stumps. 13. Mm, that is not me. In 43 overs? Yeah, it's disgusting. That's nearly, that's like 250-odd balls. Mm. That's ridiculous. Channel 7 said that only 5% of the balls by England seamers on day one would have hit the stumps. I mean, the negative. And, and then Root comes out in the press conference and says, oh, yeah, our line and length was wrong. The bowlers should have done better. We should have learned from last time. You're the fucking captain. Yeah. You're the one that tells them what to do. Bloody hell. Yeah, it's it's funny though. I mean, they brought back in Broad and Anderson and you just looked at it and said, well, how's Ollie Robinson holding on to it? He trundles in at 130. You've got Mark Wood who can get up to 150. Unless he's injured, you have to keep him in there. There's no variation. It's basically all of them coming in bowling 130, little bit of swing. Yeah. And then you had Ben Stokes who we wondered if he was even going to play because he was a bit injured, as Warney said, looking a bit ginger, which is <laughs> pretty funny. And, <laughs> and Warney's a ginger himself, so only a ginger can call another ginger ginger, to quote the great Tim Minchin. Great song. It is a great song. While, while I'm on this, by the way, if Jimmy Anderson had long hair, he'd look a bit like the singer from Voyager, who are competing for Australia to get their spot in Eurovision. So everyone, go and vote for Voyager. They're a great band. Oh, wow. He really would. Holy crap. Yeah. So there you go. Can you imagine him flying in from the pavilion end with that hair <laughs> flying on one side? <laughs> no, look, it's a real concern. And Anderson is starting to look more like a 40-year-old. He's still economical. He just doesn't look threatening, though. Two wickets for the match, and one of them was Michael Neeser as a night watchman. But some of that was the tactics. Of course. If they're was, actually, yeah. if they're positive, lo and behold, when they did start bowling positively, they picked up a wicket. But do you think Jimmy Anderson would get scolded by Joe Root for bowling a full delivery, for pitching one up? Do you think he'd get in trouble? Well, I don't know. I mean, Joe Root can set the field properly. But at the same time, like they're making the decision to, to bounce, 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 bounce. Like 
pitch one up, see what happens. Oh, you got to win Adelaide, and they did it in the second innings, and look what happened. Yeah, well, they, the whole game might have been like for all the negative that we're dumping on England, the whole game might have been different if they bowled positively in that first inning. And then obviously the wicket keeping. Yes. What on earth do you do with Joss? Well, and this is why I keep banging on about. Look, I love Matty Wade. I actually you could make a case for him as a batsman only in the team. But this is why I'm so big on having good glovemen for Test match cricket. You need a proper wicketkeeper in Test match cricket. So it should have been a king pair. He edged one between keeper and first slip, as we've mentioned. Yep, very lucky. The most Jekyll and Hyde wicketkeeping performance I think I've ever seen. Takes an absolute screamer to get rid of Harris for three in the first innings. And then basically, I don't know, just dollies into his hands and manages to drop one. Took one step to oh, his right. Oh, it was woeful. With Labashane on 95. He'd also dropped him on 21. Yeah. He can't be the answer behind the stumps. Johnny Bairstow has to come in for Ollie Pope. And for the runs that blokes like Labuschagne and Warner have scored in these Ashes, things could have been very different if England fielded properly. Yeah. So, so yeah. So for me, like Pope had a 35 in the first innings of the first test, but then he's gone 4-5-4. Four, four. Yeah. Bairstow can do that and he can keep. Yeah. And then let Butler focus on his batting. That's just a, such a simple... Yeah, solution. no, I don't mind that. I mean, again, Besto isn't... Is he a test keeper? Like, he's better. He's better But, than like, Butler. yeah. No, no, I like that change. It just looked like Butler was daydreaming I like that the change. Time. So... And, I, you, and you wonder if part of the reason why Worksy was playing is because he's decent with the bat. Yeah. So, yes, there wasn't a lot of variety in their attack, but at least Worksy batted pretty well. Pretty well, well yeah, yeah, considering. I don't know if there's that many positives, though, for England. This one was one they'd been eyeing up, and they absolutely just laid an egg. Joe Root would have been a positive for this and right up until the point that he copped one right in the Sarov Ganguly's and <laughs> was out two overs later. And that just pretty much ended England's resistance. Oh, sure. Well, to harken back to our title last week, it's not unusual to feel a bit sore down there after a good route. <laughs> well, I mean, I dare say you won't be doing any of that for a while. Oh, caught in the effects, Mike, too. It's an me plums yeah, Christmas. It's an me plums Christmas. Great Martin Malloy reference. She is. Yeah, yeah. So the only thing that I can come up with as a positive is that Jimmy Anderson became the first player with 100 not outs in test matches. Yes, on my list too, yep. yep. So well done. Yeah, well done. The king of not outs. Yes. Oh dear. For the Aussies, I mean, Marcus Harris still probably the only blemish on the team. Three in the first dig. I know you're not going to agree with this, but ran David Warner out in the second. No, I thought David Warner ran himself out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah, you and I were arguing about that on, on Messenger as it happened. Two massive steps down the pitch, no call. It's a tight single Warner had to take off and commit and yeah, he turned I don't know. around. I felt, like, I felt like Warner screwed himself there. I think Harris has done just enough to stay in the team. You uh, Would you mix with winning form? Give him one more? Well, this is what I sort of said was that I don't think that you necessarily need to change, but I mean, why don't we just start the test at one for five and have, have Labashane in with Warner? Oh dear. It's just simple that way. Yeah. So you would obviously assume that Cummins will come back in all going well. Probably for Nisa. Apparently it's 50-50 whether he'll play or not, but... Okay, but interesting. Yeah, and then a lot's going to depend on whether Stark pulls up. So a bit of a strain in the back from batting in the second innings, perhaps a strain. Oh, okay, we got to talk about that declaration. And the follow-on, or lack thereof. Should we have made them follow on? We would have had a ping at them at the night session. I don't like the follow-on. I <laughs> after you're reading I this week in sport, never like the follow-on after the whole India debacle. Yeah, the, yeah. I think they should have declared a little bit earlier or put the foot down more earlier. For mine, they should have declared when Manus got out. Okay, they didn't need those extra runs. And as you say, then Starkey hurt his back trying to swing for the fences. Yeah, so and then he hit a six after that, yeah, and he winced nuts. again. That was nuts. Oh man, that was nuts. Good to see him bowling quite well, though. It seemed like he almost stepped up in the absence of Hazelwood he and did. Cummins. He yeah. did, and you, yeah. you wondered whether he would. Take that real leadership role 
obviously, I mean, he is the frontline bowler. Yeah, there. no, it's a good look. And yeah, as you, like, as you said earlier, we got something out of out of Michael Nisa, wicket with his second ball. We got something out of Joe Richardson. He's toiled hard for no reward in the first innings and then pulls off a Michelle Pfeiffer, which mm. is just great. And speaking of great Twitter followers, I saw Rick Finlay. Now, I haven't written this one down, but I think he said something like, just in picking up a wicket, Nisa's climbed like 10 spots on the all-time Australian wicket-taking list well, he, with his second ball, because obviously there's a number of blokes that have bowled that never picked up a wicket. He so. climbed 100 spots in the batting order with 35. Yeah, right. There you go. The first yeah, yeah we're very handy. Jeez, we bat too, don't we, we? We do. Yeah. Look, we do have to just quickly say, though, as much as it was really disappointing to get out in such a fashion... I do want to applaud Joss Butler for standing up the way he did. Oh, yeah, he dug in. It he was, did dig in. He did more than Ben Stokes. I thought Ben Stokes could have dug in a bit better. It was one of the most mature innings that yeah. I, I think I've seen from him after the initial shock of being dropped when he should have been caught. To go on and do that, and obviously to get out in such a horrible way. Yeah. When it looked like he might have even been able to save that. He didn't even realise, did he? No. Nah. He kind of just thought, oh, can I go for a run here? Yeah. No, why is everyone converging on me? Oh, I've trod on my stumps. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, I wanted to kind of wrap this up with one of probably the greatest accidental calls from Ishigua, and it seemed to get past everyone. Okay. So Brett Lee was leaving the commentary box, and Isha said, oh, Brett Lee's going to go and throw his leg over. What? If I'm not mistaken, that means to go and, you know, hop on the good foot and do the bad thing. Throw his leg over? Like, wow. Like, I mean, I watched the Channel 7 coverage, so I never see the Fox coverage. Yeah, right. So I don't know wow. what she was meaning by that, but that okay. to me means you're going to go and have yeah. a <laughs> And uh, she knows something we don't. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. There you go. So, obviously, going into the third test, not particularly high hopes. Well, hopefully, it's competitive. Like I said, at least it went to a fifth day in the final session. Yeah. They put up a bit of fight. They could have crumbled worse. We need to see a lot from England in this. Well, a part of it's just tactics. If they're a bit more positive, who knows? Well, I suppose if they can bring in Barack Coley for the third test as, as captain. <laughs> that was the ODI captainship, Stewie, not the test captainship. He's so. broadening his horizons. <laughs> Stuart broadening. A couple of other quick things in the cricket world. Just wanted to talk about a crazy thing I saw. There's a youngster by the name of Navathan Radhakrishna. Oh, I heard the great cricketers talking about this one. Now, he's been picked up for the Australian under-19 squad. And he bowls spin, both left and right arm. Yeah, amazing. Truly ambidextrous. He's actually a pretty decent batsman as well. He scored 622 runs in the New South Wales Premier Cricket, but he was actually a net bowler for the Delhi Daredevils recently in the IPL. Ah, okay. So he's a massive prospect. Well, the age is about right. It'll be around when Nathan Lyon retires, so we can bring him in. That would be really, really nice. Yeah. And honestly, didn't have much time to think about BBL this week, but three games down this week, so we didn't really have much to miss out on. Scorchers are still looking the goods right now. Just as well as they may not play another home game with COVID running rampant. So good to get 4-0 early. Yeah, yeah, well, they've set targets in four. They've won them all comfortably. Only one of the four even went down to the last over. So very, very keen to see how they go if they have to do a chase. And there's only two teams over 500 in the big mm. match at the moment. Yes, it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> with all but one team having played four games. Quick highlight of the week, though, the battle between Glenn Maxwell and Josh Phillippe in the Melbourne Stars and Sydney Sixers match. Oh, some match. big scores, yeah. Maxie had a 103 off 57, but ultimately, Josh Phillippe's 99, not out of 61, proved the match winner. The Sixers, they still look like the other side in the comp. You've got Phillippe, you've got James Vince, Moses and Reeks, Daniel Hughes, Jordan Silk, Dan Christian. They can put up serious runs. They field superbly. They it's are... Groundhog Day, Scorchers and Sixers, isn't yes. it? It's often the two teams. Bring it on. Yeah. All right, sure, you know what that music means. What are you out for? 
Well, for me, Illawarra and South East Melbourne in the NBL this Thursday is a biggie. Both teams with big aspirations this season, both coming off shock losses. Who bounces back better? That's a big one. Yeah. The rematch of the Kings and Melbourne United. What Sydney will we get this time? And then the big one in the cricket. Yep, the Prime Minister's Cup match between Sudu Pashim Province women and armed police force women from Dangadi in Nepal. <laughs> How about yourself, mate? Well, I'll say the real cricket I'm out for. The South African Boxing Day. No, the Aussie Boxing Day test. But also, there's some big playoff implications in the NFL. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.